And you can take your Bibles and turn to the book of John. The book of John in chapter number 1. And we have been preaching this little series of messages on the names by which Jesus is known. We looked at Jesus, the Son of God. We looked at Jesus, um, the Son of Man. And now we're going to see Jesus, the Word. You know, this, this yesterday I was watching a little video and it, and it talked about a man who, this, this guy that was doing the talking, he said, you know, so many years ago, my son was selected to be the baby Jesus in, in the live nativity. And he said, you know, I didn't really think much about it until out walked this 15-year-old girl with my son and he said you know that's exactly what God did God gave his son and as I was watching that little video I thought and he gave his son to a girl a young girl can you can you imagine that the God who spoke this world into existence surrendered his child to the care of Mary and Joseph. It's amazing. The man went on to talk about in a skit. He said, but Jesus, God did something that I could never do. God gave his son knowing that his son would die on the cross for the sins of people who against him said you know I could forgive my son for that I could let him be the baby in the live nativity but I could never give my child to die to others you know it's an amazing thought and something that we don't lose sight of during this, this Christmas season and, and we want to keep in mind that that what we are seeing, what we are celebrating, is God sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh so that we might have eternal life. Let's not lose sight of that. And what God did for us is, is bigger than we can explain in just a few words. But we, we, we've attempted to share with you the ways that God has described who His Son is. The Son of God. He is fully God. He's the Son of Man. He is fully man. But now we see in John when you think about that, if you think about the way that we describe someone, and when we describe someone, we often will use you know, physical characteristics like they're five foot ten, uh, brown hair, brown eyes, pounds, uh, whatever it might be. You use these physical characteristics. But God is not a He doesn't have physical characteristics like you and I have. They, the Bible tells us that God is a spirit, and so it would be difficult for us to uh, explain to Him in physical characteristics. And so the Bible uses other ways to describe who God is, and sometimes he does apply characteristics to God to help us try and comprehend, but not only do you use physical characteristics to explain, 
explain someone, but sometimes you might use other ways to describe them, like their place of employment or a hobby they have, or maybe by something they do. And as I was thinking about that, the first thing that I thought of is a person that described, you know, that person that sits behind the scorer's desk and is always yelling at the referees. You know, you might describe something that they do. And some of you know exactly who I'm talking about with that description. But anyway, you describe them by what they look like, where they work, or something that they do. There's many ways that we can describe someone, but here God gives us the description. He says in John 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And so John describes to us, describes Jesus to us by the use of the word Word. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And the most important thing for us all to understand today is, do you know Jesus in these ways that we have been describing Him? Fully God, fully man, and as the Word. The question is, do you know Him at all? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we're thankful for an opportunity we have to come into Your house and to... Uh, turn our hearts towards you and to worship you. God, we know that you are transcendent, greater than all of creation. And all of creation, the books, every book that has ever been written, is not sufficient to describe who you are. We know you're greater than our minds can conceive. But we also know that you have given us a way to see part of who you are. And so today, as we open your word to see that you have described to us, to yourself, as the word, our hearts will grow nearer to you. And we pray that someone might come to see Jesus as their Savior today. Help us as we worship you today. We thank you for the spirit that leads our hearts in worship. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So something significant here, it says, in the beginning was the Word. And that is a, a Greek word. The, the word, word there is the Greek word logos. And logos is just a simple word that means something that is spoken. But it tells us here, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the spoken Word of God. Its presence was there. Logos is also known as embodying a conception or an idea. And so we recognize that God is presenting His Son Jesus to us as the Logos, as the Word, as the embodiment of an idea. What we see is that God is revealing to us Himself in Jesus Christ. And He's revealing Himself to us through the Word. He's not just uh, revealing to us an idea about Himself, but He is revealing Himself to us. And there's many ways that we can think about the, that how God revealed Himself to us. And we, we just go back to the beginning and we think about creation and we recognize that creation is God revealing Himself to us. 
I mean, you think about an artist that's painting a picture, right? And we have a, a, a fairly famous uh, off, uh, painter in our community, you know, uh, Tom Whitaker, and you can think about his pictures and the way that he drew and, and the, the subject matter of what he drew, and, and you know something about him by the subject matter of what he created, right? And you think about an author and, and a book that they might write, and, and you, you find out something about that author uh, by the type of books that they write and the type of words that they use in their subject matter. In other words, when an artist creates, you can learn something about the artist by what they created. And so when we think about creation, the world in which we live, we, we're able to see something about God. God is revealing something to us about himself in creation. By the way, have you ever thought about creation as being that? God's revelation of who he is? So we, we think about this, we think about God speaking the world into existence. And you think, well, well, how can we see God in creation? How can we see uh, God in that he brought everything into existence? And we're going to learn these things later in our text, but it's going to tell us that Jesus was light and life. So as we think about God and we think about how God is revealing himself to us, we can see God in the light. Because we know that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And so we recognize from that as we look at light, there's many things that we could think about, that God being good and, 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 and heat being provided by light. And there's many things we could think about God being light. And we can think about life and what do we see in that. And there's lots of ways that we could think about how God is revealing himself to us in creation. We also think about the wisdom that is in this world. And that wisdom originated with God. And so we, we know that as we see wisdom, we understand that wisdom came from somewhere. That wisdom came from God. Also, we can see the glory of God in all the intricacy of how this world works together. And more and more, as scientists dig deeper into uh, this world and into creation, more and more they're finding that it's not possible that this just popped into existence. Even the scientists who don't want to believe in God come to understand that there is a God by looking at creation. As a matter of fact, you, you know, in the beginning, all scientists were Christians. All scientists believed in God. It's only as men became wise that they tried to remove God from their consciousness. But all of creation, even the intricacy of the, the, the parts of the atom, uh, point us to the glory and the intricacies of how it all works together. All of, us points, all of that points us to the, the glory of God. And we can see even God by knowing that His ways are past finding out. If we, if we wanted to look into the Word of God and think about the prophecies and how all of the prophecies were fulfilled, there's, there's no way that all of those things just happened by chance. The, the thousands of prophecies that are in the Scriptures and how they were fulfilled in intricate detail. It didn't just happen by chance. And so, I mean, God is revealing to us Himself in His Word. And so, that's one of the things we see. As Jesus coming to the world, He is the Logos. He is the Word of God. He is the expression of God Himself. And we want to understand 
that logos, the expression of God, is not something that came into existence when Christ came in the flesh. No, logos, the expression of God through His Word, was before the incarnation of Christ. It's how God revealed Himself to Abraham in Genesis chapter number 15 and verse number 1 it says, And after these things the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And so the word of God came to Abraham. He saw a vision. And what did he see a vision of? He saw a vision of the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. He saw Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ saying, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. According to B.H. Carroll in an interpretation of the English Bible, it is the pre-incarnate Christ. He states that the word was not just a voice addressed to the ear, but a person addressed to the sight, appeared in a vision to Abraham and as the specific object of saving faith. And so God revealed Himself to Abraham through the Logos, through the Word of the Lord, the pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. Before He was a babe in a manger, He was the Word of God and He came to this earth in this pre-incarnate form, in a vision to Abraham. So, so we just see that Logos is God revealing Himself to us. Now, I want to take a... Let's go back to the book of Hebrews in chapter number 1. Because the book of Hebrews tells us something else about the Logos. About God speaking to us through His Son, Jesus. And it says this in Hebrews chapter number 1. In verse number 1 it says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. And so we know as we look at that, that throughout the Old Testament we know the prophets of God spoke for God and they would tell of the, the what is to, uh, to come to pass and, and they spoke many things of, many prophecies, and so we know that God's spoken in times past, but verse 2 says, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds, who, who being the brightness of His glory, and the express image of His per person, and the upholding all things, by the word of His power, when He did himself, by Himself purged our sins, set down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So, so what do we see? We see that God is speaking to us through Jesus Christ. And you know, when we, we think about that, we, we think about Jesus. And remember the times that Jesus would allude to the fact when He would say, He that has seen Me has seen the Father. You know, they would ask him, they said, show us the Father. And Jesus said, well, he that has seen me has seen the Father. What is Jesus saying? I'm revealing to you who the Father is. I am the Logos. I am the Word of God. I am the expression of God. I am the Father. And I am showing you the Father. Also, we might conclude that if Jesus said, He that has seen me has seen the Father, we might also say, He that hath heard me hath heard the Father. So the book of Hebrews tells us that God is speaking to us through His Son. 
And so when we read of Jesus in God's Word, we recognize that Jesus is God manifested to us. When we see Jesus, we see God. Hebrews for you says, God manifests Himself, notice this, in the words of Scripture. This is the stunning difference between the Bible and every other book in the world. God's presence is actually encountered in His Word. You see, there's no, it's not a mistake that this is called the Word of God because God's presence is in His Word. And if you want to hear God speak, read the Word of God aloud. See, this is why we ought to hold the Word of God valuable because God's presence is in His Word. And so God uses His Word to speak to us today. What a blessing that we have. We have Jesus Christ being the Word of God who is the visible expression of God to us. But also we have the Word of God and God's presence in His Word. And we have God speaking to us through His Word. Now I know that, that, that really we don't value the Word the way that we should. And we don't hold it dear to us the way that we should. But this is God speaking to us. And we ought to honor this Word. And we should value this Word. Because this is God speaking to us. And so we understand that God has not left us without a witness, or He's not left us without instruction. God has spoken to us. And God has spoken to us in His preserved Word. So we also read in Hebrews that God spoken through various ways, and, but in this last days has spoken to us through His Son. One resource says that Logos is that medium or agency which translates one man's heart to another. Logos the agency through which one man translates his heart to another. So when we think about in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, we, we, we see this is God translating his heart to you. God speaking to you, saying you, telling you, this is who I am. This is the way that God translates His heart to you. He translates His heart to you through His Word. And you know, the Bible tells us that exact thing. In the book of 1 John, in chapter number 5, in verse number 20 it says, And we know that the Son of God has come, and hath given us an understanding, listen, that we may know Him that is true, and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. So, so Jesus becoming the Word is just that. It's, it's God revealing His heart to us so that we might know Him that is true. You know, there's many things in this world that claim to be true. But their claims are just that, their claims. 
It's interesting how that so many people make bro uh, bold claims, but they have nothing to back it up. But here we have God speaking to us through his word, and every claim that is made in the word is found to be true. And so we know him that is true. So the significance of the word logos. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. The significance of the word logos is that we understand that God is expressing himself to us. God is, is expressing his heart to us. It is, we are able to see God through the word. But we go back to John chapter number 1, and we think about the powerful statement that John makes here. And he tells us some, some profound things about the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. B.H. Carroll again said, In one short sentence, John predicates three essential elements of the divinity of Jesus. The absolute eternity of being. In the beginning was the Word. You see, it's actually before the beginning. This helps us understand the eternal pre-existence of Jesus. Jesus didn't come into existence when He became a baby in a manger. Jesus has always been. He was in the beginning with God. Again, John, uh, Genesis 1.1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning... When there was only God, when there was no time, when there was no creation, when only God existed. In the beginning, the Word was present with God. In the time before time, Jesus existed with God. So we understand the eternal pre-existence of Jesus Christ. Also, we understand the distinct personality of Jesus Christ. It says... And the Word was with God. And so you see, there is God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. All three in one, each having their own distinct personality. There is something, a different personality about each of them. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are real distinction within the Godhead. And so we see that explained here to us. And again, we could dig into that, but we don't have time in the scope of this message to dig into that. But also we see uh, the nature and the essence of deity in the Word, and the Word was God. So we see, what do we see about the deity of Jesus? The pre-creation uh, existence of Christ. He is eternal as God is eternal. We see His distinct personality, and we see that He is God. But as we read there, We also read this about Jesus, the Word. Verse 3 says, John 1, 3 says, All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. And so we, we understand this also, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word made all things. And if we go back to creation, if we would go back and look into the book of Genesis, which I'm not going to take the time, but if you would go back and you would look at the story of creation, what did God use to create? God spoke, and it came into existence. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And we could go through that eight or ten times that it says, and God said. 
But God used the spoken word to create. And so when God said, let there be light, and there was light, it was God in Jesus Christ creating all things. Jesus, the Word of God, is the way that all things were created. Colossians 1 uh, tells us this, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And so what do we understand? Notice, all things were created by Him. Not only the physical things, but thrones, dominions, principalities, the powers of the air, all of those things were created by God. Now, no, there's going to be some questions in your mind. And you're going to say, well, I, I can't explain this, and I can't explain that. And, and let's understand something. God is so transcendent that He cannot be explained by human reasoning. There are things about God that we will never be able to comprehend. And you say, well, you've asked a question and it can't be answered, so that proves to you there's not a God. Well, that's actually not the case. All throughout your life, you never have all of your questions answered. It's not necessary to answer every question, even in a court of law. It's not necessary to answer every question that can be answered. Let's remember, to convict someone in the court of law, you only have to prove their guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. Not beyond all doubt, but beyond a reasonable doubt. And it's actually in the juror's instructions. And I get this from J. Warner Wallace, who wrote uh, Cold Case Christianity and Forensic Faith and several other books. But, but in that, he, he gives, in the jury instructions in the state of California, the jury is instructed to understand that as you are called upon to make a decision here, we're not going to be able to answer every question that could possibly be asked. And it's not necessary for you to have every question answered that can possibly be asked. You have to have enough questions answered that you can, beyond a reasonable doubt, make an advised inference that the person is guilty. And I know I used this illustration the other day, but I'm going to use it again because it's so powerful in this point. When you're thinking about answering every single question that you might have. And the illustration that I had was, remember, it's just you and your child at home. And, and you're in the living room, and in the kitchen is a cookie jar. And in the living room, and maybe you're a mom there in your folding clothes, you know, and, and you hear the cookie jar crash to the floor. Now already, you've made an inference about what happened, right? You don't have any inside pets or anything. There's no other living creature inside the house except you and, and the child. You've already made an inference in your mind that you know what happened. That child got over there and tried to get in the cookie jar, and the cookie jar uh, is falling to the ground. Now, you don't have any evidence at this point, but you've already made an inference. And you get in there, and you see, 
see the cookie jar laying on the floor? And you might have a question in your mind. Well, how did the child get up on the, the counter to knock the cookie jar off? And, and then you might look, oh, there's the chair. Oh, they, they scooted the chair over there. And then you might think, well, how did they get the chair over there? Or how did they get up on the chair? Or there might be all kinds of questions that you might have that you might be able to ask. And as you're going through that, there might be some questions that you have, but, well, I don't see how they were able to do that. But even though you can't answer every question that might come into your mind, you can make a reasonable inference that you know what happened to the cookie jar. That your child came in there, scooted the chair over there, got up on the counter, knocked the cookie jar off. You can make a reasonable uh, inference that the child did it because you know you didn't do it. Now, is it possible that an intruder entered the house and knocked the cookie jar off? I guess it's possible, but it's not very likely, right? And so you never answer the question of whether an intruder came into the house. Or you might, is it possible that uh, 20 mice got together and they stood on top of each other and they used all of their might to push that cookie jar off? I guess it's possible. It's not very likely, right? I mean, there's all kinds of questions that we might have because we didn't see the child do it. And so we might have all kinds of questions that we can't have answered. But we're pretty confident in our decision that, in our inference that the kid did it. The kid's guilty. And they would be able to be proven guilty in a court of law. The whole point being, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And there might be lots of questions in your mind that, that you can't answer. They may never be answered. But that doesn't mean that we can't make a reasonable inference that God created the heavens and the earth. There is enough evidence in creation that point us to a creator that, you know, just like they say, spontaneous generation can't happen. Life does not just pop into existence. Life has to come from a source. This material world, I mean, what material did it come from? Material had to come from some other material. It didn't just pop into existence. God created it. And so, I mean, it's not logical even that creation just pop into existence out of nothing. Or that, you know, the, the spinning energy started spinning around fast enough until it, it got dense enough, until it exploded. And, well, where did that energy come from? You can't answer that question either. There's lots of questions that are unable to be answered. Except if you just believe the Word of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and that's all you need to know. And there's enough evidence that will support that conclusion that God did create the heavens and the earth. So, so the Word is the one who made all things, and we understand that. God is expressing to us Himself through His Word. 
His spoken word that brought all things into existence. God is expressing Himself to us through His spoken word that brought in all things into existence. And, and so we find Jesus is the climactic end of the spectrum of God's self-disclosure to His people. I, I, don't, I can't attribute that to That's not my statement. That's someone else's. But I can't think of the attribution right now. But Jesus Christ is the end of God's self-disclosure of Himself to His people. So in Jesus, we see God speaking to us through Jesus and God revealing Himself to us through Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. He is the expression of God to us. It's what God wants us to know about Himself. We see it in Jesus. And so John goes on and tells us several things here. In the text, we'll read some more, John 1, 4. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So what are some things that we see? What is God expressing to us? God is first expressing Himself to us through creation, and we're not going to spend any more time there, but, but also it tells us in verse number 4, in Him was life so life originates with the word so god is showing us when we see jesus we we see life that's all life all life's created by god whether it be vegetation or animal life god is the source of all life physical life the bible tells us that god breathed into our nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So in Jesus, we see the expression of life. And we see eternal life. 1 John 5, 11 says, And this is the record that God hath given, us, given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Eternal life only comes through Jesus. Eternal life is secured only by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So the only way we think about eternal life is because we know that Jesus is raised from the dead. That's why we have the hope of eternal life. And if you don't believe in the uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ, you don't have eternal life. You have eternal death. But we see life. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. He was the true light. And so we think about some things about light. You know, the light, we look outside and we see the light out there. We don't see the light. We actually see things that are illuminated by the light, but we know the light's there, right? But we, do you know that light actually existed before the sun was created, right? 
Genesis 1-3, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God made two... That's in verse number Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1. It's not until verse 16 where it says, And God made true great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule by night. He made the stars also. So light was present before the sun was created. Also, light will be present after the sun is disposed of. Revelation 21.3 says, And the city proceeded neither the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. So when the sun goes out, the light is still going to shine, because light is the glory of God. It tells us in verse 9, This is the true light, which lighteth men that come into the world. It's the true light, because the light is the glory of God. And this light uh, illuminates every person that comes in the world. And the Word gives light because it reveals the Father. B.H. Carroll again says, There is no knowledge of God, no revelation of God, except through the Son. And so Jesus is the light. He is the revelation of the Father. It is through Jesus that we see the revelation of all things. As a matter of fact, Job asked that question in Job eleven seven. Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? If you wanted to search out God, could you find Him? No. Except through the Son. You see, it's through the Son that we find out who God is. You can look at creation all day long. And you'll not truly find God. You might recognize that there's a creator. Or you might recognize that this didn't just happen just by chance into existence. But you won't actually know the full revelation of the Father unless you look through the Son. Also, we know that through Him we can find sonship. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. And so He gives the power to become the sons of God. Who can become the sons of God? Those who receive Him. Also, what do we find out about the Father? We find in verse number 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So we see the Father's glory through the Son. The only begotten of the Father. The, the unique, unlike any other. The one that's full of grace and truth that tells us later down in verse number 17. We see the glory of God. We see the truth of God. We see the grace of God. All revealed to us through the Son. Verse 18 tells us, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten of the Father, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. And so in Jesus Christ... We see a declaration of the Father. The word declaration here means to unfold. Jesus reveals to us what has been hidden of God in the Old Testament. He unfolds all the foreordained plan of God to redeem His fallen creation. And so we think about, again, the power of words. And we think about how the author gives us a detailed description of His characters. And when you think about it, how many of you in, in, can have read a book or heard a story, and someone telling a story, and they begin to describe for you the characteristics, the attributes of this character. And as you're reading the story, you begin to form a picture in your mind based upon what, uh, how the author has described the character, right? 
Or as you heard, listen, sit on the front porch with one of your grandparents and they're telling you a story about, you know, I can remember stories about Jim DeWitt or I can remember stories about, I, listen, my grandfather, I never met my grandfather, but I heard of him through stories and I can get a picture of him through the stories that I've heard about him. You see, words help us draw pictures, right? We begin to understand and, and that's the power of Jesus. No man has seen God at any time except the only begotten of the Father. And so when we look at Jesus, we're able to get a picture of who God is. We get develop an understanding of who God is. So that's the importance of the Word of God coming to us, the, whether it be the Word of God in the person of Jesus Christ or the spoken Word of God. That's the power of the spoken Word of God is that it helps you see God. It helps you find your way to Him. Because there's no way to God except through Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And what else do we see about Jesus? How does He manifest the Father to us? Verse 10 says, He was in the world and the world was made by Him and the world knew Him not. What we see is the world's rejection of God when the world rejected Jesus in essence they were rejecting God and the world did more than reject Jesus they crucified him and some of you are rejecting God in your rejection of Jesus it is really sad that God created this world and He has given you life and you choose to reject Him. It's sad that He has nothing but goodness and hope and peace and joy. He offers good things and you continue to say, I don't want to know what good is. I want to know what evil is. I want to choose my own way, choose my own things, be my own man. Sin and suffering came into this world because of the world's rejection of God. And so many people experience pain and suffering in this world because of their rejection of God. Listen, all the evil that's in the world today is because of the rejection of God. But you know, this world continues to express this rejection of God as it continues to reject the bride of Christ, which is His church. You see, in essence, when you reject His church, you're rejecting God because the church is the bride of Christ. And if you, if you reject the bride of Jesus, you're rejecting Jesus. And you're rejecting God when you reject Jesus. So let's not forget the importance of the bride of Christ. Well, we could go on and talk about these things quite a bit. As a matter of fact, what John is doing here in John chapter number 1 is he's given us a synopsis of what he's going to share with us throughout the rest of the book. Through the rest of his gospel, each one of those things that we talked about, John is going to reveal them to us. But Today, I just want us to understand that Jesus Christ, as the Word of God, is the express image of God. He is the express image of His per person. God is speaking to us through Jesus Christ. 
And in the Word of God, what we see, the most famous verse of all, for God so loved the world, that if He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What God is speaking to us more than anything else is that I love you so much. I love this world so much that I'm going to provide a Redeemer for it. I'm going to restore it. I'm going to rescue this world. What we see in Jesus Christ is the love of God. God loved us so much that He could give His Son into the hands of a young girl, a virgin, to raise and to point in the right direction so that He could be the Savior of the world. See, we can visualize, visualize hope in Christ today because He is the expression of the love of God in Christ. When that babe came in the manger, that's expressing to us God's love. And if you'll receive Him today, you can experience that love also. And you can hear the song that the angels sang. On earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Not only on earth, but in your heart. Heavenly Father, how astounded we are that you are the Word of God. That you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to be your Word. I pray that we will see Jesus for who He is. I pray that one will come into realization today that they are separated from you and they need to be brought back to you through Jesus. I pray that we'll repent of their sins and put their faith and trust in Him today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.